Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Dr. Margot Jaco, your mental health business mentor. Thanks so much for joining us today. And speaking of joining us, as always, our co-host Deanna Schoss is here. I'm thrilled to have you. We do these pieces that are really about the business of the business. And so thank you for joining us today. Deanna is the owner of Intercultural Talk, and she is our marketing guru. So welcome, Deanna. Hi, Margot. Great to be here. So I'm glad we're having this conversation right now for a couple of reasons. We're going to talk in part today about social media. And clearly, mental health has just exploded in terms of utilization. And a lot of practice owners or therapists are thinking, I don't really even want to market my practice right now. I don't need to, and I don't want to. So why don't we talk today, Deanna, about why it might be important, no matter what's happening in terms of people's caseloads, why is it important to have a social media presence? Margaret, I appreciate your opening with the why it's important. What I'm going to take is one step back to talk about strategy first, because when people say, I've got a full docket, I don't need to market, that actually could be true. And so that's something to consider because your social media, what you do online should always follow your real life strategy. Now, that said, it's good to consider how long it takes to get a new client because you could be full right now, but if your docket or if your schedule would have a big gap, if somebody left, then you always want to be doing what's called feeding the pipeline. Mm -hmm. You do want to have a presence out there so that you're always attracting new people to either fill spaces that become available or to grow your practice. But it is not unwise to start with, what is my strategy? What are my goals in real life? And then let all of your tools, which would be your social media, follow what your real life strategy is. That makes sense. I think that's sound advice. So is there any other reason that a therapist might be using social media aside from just filling their caseload? Absolutely. What you have with social media is a lot of the different platforms. So if you look at Facebook and particularly LinkedIn, those are really strong search engines. So when people are looking for you specifically by name, having a social media presence will, will boost your searchability. It'll boost the opportunities for you to be found online, found online in a story that you've told. Ah, uh, okay. In a story that you've told. So Part of your social media is going to be feeding that pipeline to your practice, but you're also setting a stage for the story you're telling about yourself as a therapist out in the public domain. Absolutely, because you're the one who is setting up your public profiles. So you're setting up a personal page and a business page. I'm going to talk mostly about Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Those are probably the three right now that have the broadest reach that therapists might be using. Twitter is one that people hear about. Twitter is a short form blogging platform that lets you post 280 characters. Twitter is separate. It's not likely that you'll get new clients through Twitter. Where Twitter is helpful, and then I'll go back to the ones that we are going to use, 
Twitter's helpful to build relationships or if you want to meet people. That said, would not recommend that people start with Twitter as a form of social media because it's so unlikely that you would connect with your with patients, with clients that would come see you through Twitter. Right. So that's more of a relationship building tool, which is we're talking about the bigger story. And I really like that framework, Deanna, the bigger story that you're telling about yourself as a therapist, really kind of setting yourself up to be perhaps an expert in a certain arena with certain content or something along those lines. Twitter might be a way to connect with people that you really want to connect with. But you said you wanted to go back to Facebook and LinkedIn because those are a little more direct. So what would you want to tell people about that? And and how do they get that? Many of us have a personal Facebook page. How do you even set up a business Facebook page? And why would you do that anyway? For therapists, it's very important to have your professional identity and your personal identity because there's so many ethical issues with connecting directly with people that you're also providing care for. I say that with a slight caveat because In the world of online and social media, there's no such thing as personal and professional in the sense that anything you post, no matter what your privacy settings are, you have to assume that anything you post will at some point be publicly available. Oh, you know what, (laughs) Tiana, you are so right. And I'll tell you, I've had this conversation with therapists that we have hired. I always Google people, quite frankly. I look them up on Facebook, I see what they've posted. And there are people I haven't hired as a result of, you know, partying pictures, there's a lot of them holding alcohol. If I can find that, anybody can find that, I assure you. So because I'm not super tech savvy, as you know. So (laughs) being able to feel good about what you're putting out there is really important. So just being mindful anyway, as a therapist that Facebook, no matter your privacy settings, you're, you just ought to assume that what you're putting out there is not fully private. But a, a public Facebook page for your business is a whole different entity. It's a whole different thing. It is. And a big difference, just to start with a public a business page, let's say on Facebook or LinkedIn, for your personal profile, people send you requests to be friends and you respond to that and then you're friends with them. What the business page allows you to do is to give you this public presence on the platform that people can like you, they can follow you. So that's different than connecting with you personally. So when you put up your business page, you are able to put your services, your hours, how to connect with you. You are able to comment on different topics. Let's say maybe there's a discussion. I'm sure there's been a lot of discussions about mental health during the pandemic. With a business page, you're able to chime in on these different conversations as your business page so that you can build that expertise and that presence within the platform that you're using. Exactly. Right. So it really isn't just to have more friends from a business perspective. It's to be able to participate in conversations that you might not be a part of otherwise. And not everybody is just using email anymore or looking at your website. There are people who only have a presence on Facebook, for example. And there are a lot of great Facebook groups that I wouldn't necessarily want to link to my personal account, but I'm really interested in linking them to our business account. And groups are really interesting new development. In fact, a lot of businesses are saying that they're getting more engagement through groups than they are by simply having a page. By having a a Facebook page or a website page? 
actually even both, even yeah. both that Facebook groups allows you to go different. A group, anyone can set up a group. So as a person or as a business owner, you can set up a group on Facebook based on a certain topic. So for example, you and I both participate. There's a group called Parenting Teens During Pandemic. And it's somebody set up this group and psychologists and therapists are part of the group, but also just a lot of parents who are parenting teens. And so they're sharing resources and asking questions and even engaging speakers. So they're having speakers that will speak in the group. So it's a really great way to be able to market your business. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, you know, a lot of therapists want to be able to have a way to share their knowledge with a broader base of people. It's a way to give back to the community as well. So if you're in a group like parenting teens during the pandemic, that's a great way if you have some information that you can share resources to feel that some fulfillment in being able to give parents information because you have this expertise as a therapist. So I, I think that Facebook groups are fabulous. They, they serve a lot of different purposes. So what other platforms should people consider? So I'm going to back up from that question just to make sure we're giving a broad view for therapists, because as a business owner, practitioners first are serving their clients. They're serving the, the people that need their care. So there's always a question of how much time do you have and is it worth the investment? Mm -hmm. So starting with strategy is, is why that's so critical. So I recommend your first, your first step is to set up these business pages on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn as three of the primary ones with those business pages, make sure they've got really clear links on how to find you and why people would contact you, what services you provide. So just by setting up those business pages and making sure you keep them current with information, that automatically helps support your presence online. The next step is where do you want to spend most of your focus and time posting with regular posting? The answer to that question depends on where your clients are. Yeah, say more about that. Okay, sure. A lot of that depends on how, how old are your clients. So for example, Facebook now skews a little bit older. So even 40 and older, they always say the kids have left, have left Facebook. Yep. Um, but Facebook is much more conducive to a little bit older audience. But also Facebook is a place where you can share links and you can share commentary, let's say on articles or things that you're reading. So you're sharing knowledge with the people who follow you. So Facebook is also a great platform if you're reading a lot, if you're involved in a lot of organizations, if you're coming across material that you know will be of interest to the people you serve, Facebook can be a great place to share that knowledge and that information. Mm, that's good to know. So mm -hmm. where are the younger folks going? What are they using as their social media platform? So today... Today, they're using Instagram. Instagram skews a little bit younger. And it's so funny when I say a little bit younger, probably like 40 and under. Yeah, I was going to so, say right, that. I know. <laughs> so Instagram skews younger. Here's something that's really important to know about Instagram, though. Instagram is really visual. You can't share any links on Instagram. So you can't share a link to someone else's content or even links to your own content that varies. There are ways you, you can have your website URL in your bio. But when you're posting, it's very visual, which means photographs, which is dicey when you're a mental health practitioner, because you're not going to set, you can't 
share photographs of clients. I mean, you know, everything you're talking about is is more ideas and it's more cerebral in the sense that you don't have a physical product that you're selling. So what we find with mental health practitioners are thoughts, ideas, inspirations, things that relate to mental health. Maybe it's questions. So it's ideas that relate to mental health that you can be putting into some sort of visual format that you can then share on on Instagram. So for right now on Instagram, you can still gain followers by following other people. So you can still at this point organically build your followers on Instagram. I say that because on Facebook, Facebook has Facebook has changed everything. It's it's almost impossible to get followers and engagement on Facebook anymore without doing paid advertising. Mm, right. Yeah, you have to invest the money, which especially when people's caseloads are full, these aren't things that really they're probably going to be considering. But something like Instagram, they might be able to share something of value or share a resource. Same thing on Facebook. They might be able to get into a group and share a resource. So what about TikTok? I've had some folks ask me why I don't do any TikTok videos. And you know, the easy answer is I'm old, but that's also the cop out. So, and my children who are teenagers have said they will disown me if they find me on TikTok. So what do you think about TikTok? So for people to know, TikTok is short form video. It's like 30 seconds to, to 60 seconds. It's a lot of it's a lot of repurposed and resharing type content, meaning that you are lip syncing other things that people say. And in fact, there is a TikTok where a mom embarrasses her child for being on TikTok. Right. So, part of the reason for not being on TikTok, and I know this is a recording, so you can't see how badly I'm blushing, is because if you go on TikTok just to check it out, it'll be like an hour later and you'll be like, what happened to the last hour? <laughs> That's an hour of my life I can't get back. It is so much fun because it's what's amazing about TikTok, I find it to be very egalitarian because it is all ages. You will see all ages. There are grandparents on TikTok. There's young people on TikTok. It's dancing. It's singing. It's sharing information. So if you want to be on TikTok, Part of it is just the timing or how comfortable you are in video and, and what you're sharing. Because in a 60 second video, for example, you do the mindset minutes. Your mindset minutes would do great on TikTok because it's you on camera saying, you know, hello, it's Dr. Margot Jacquot. Today's your mindset minute. And you're giving us a less than a minute at that point thing that people can do to reset their nervous system. So I don't know, tell your kids mm. that Deanna says, I think you could be really good on TikTok. I will. I, you know what? I, I Now it's like a challenge. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, tell me not to be on TikTok. Okay? <laughs> That's right. They just <laughs> dare you. Know. Um, <laughs> you know, it is a question. You're just setting up. You can film straight from your camera. You just, you've got a tripod. Make sure you have good lighting so that your, your face is clearly in the light. But when you hit play, you could record it. Again, you can set it for either 30 or 60 seconds. and TikTok, the other reason that people like it, they have a thing called For You. And it's really easy, supposedly, to get your videos to show up. So even people with very few followers or very few likes, their algorithm gives equal access. And so it's you can have videos that get a lot of following uh, really, really quickly. Wow. So unlike Facebook, which has become really kind of a, a money 
numbers game with all due respect to Facebook. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a different scale. This is much more egalitarian. So you know what, you and I are going to have to do a TikTok video. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Because I, again, I think for people who want to give value, they want to give information out for their clients or out for the community, it can be a great way to do it. And it's brief. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. And it still helps create that story that you're trying to tell about yourself. So I think the takeaway, Deanna, is that through social media, therapists and really anyone, we're all creating a story of who we are as a therapist, who we are in the community, what value we add. I talk about how to get our yap to the top. For those of you who have read Horton Hears a Who, it's the littlest who who finally gets his yap through and everybody now in the forest can hear that there actually is somebody on the dust speck and they don't get boiled in the oil. I, of course, I don't think our Chicagoland therapist community is like that, but there's a lot of traffic. And how do you get your yap to the top? How do you get your word out there? How do you share the value that you have? Social media can be a way to do that. You tell your own story. So Deanna, any final takeaways for people about social media in particular? Yes, I would say that with all that you're putting out, a lot of this is you're putting out all these feelers across social media to then draw people back to what's the call to action that will get someone in, into your practice to actually schedule an appointment. Mm-hmm. That still could be a contact form on your website. It could be an email sign up, email newsletters. Those are people who have given you permission to, to talk to them and market to them. So make sure that whatever you're putting out there, that there's a call to action to feed that funnel back to the point where people will contact you to make an appointment or to get more information from you. I love that. That's great. Well, Deanna Shaw's of Intercultural Talk. And again, our guru of marketing, along with Chris Pertel, who is our outreach coordinator and the person who really facilitates and produces these podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Dr. Margot Jaco, your mental health business mentor. We'll see you next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.